This is a, a statue of, uh, of Nero. He was the, uh, he, like your, your ruler of the Roman Empire at the time. Uh, this was one bad dude. I don't know how many Christians he's responsible for, for killing, but uh, they say the number is, is just out there. He persecuted a bunch of them. Uh, he was known for uh, the Garden of Lights. He would uh, put Christians, cover them in tar, and put them on these pillars or on these sticks and light up his garden at nighttime. So, anyway, there's, <laughs> there's uh, other religions that believe that he is the Antichrist and he will come back. I, he's dead now, that's all I know. But he, uh, to understand that, uh, Peter writing these writing these letters to a group of Christians that are in present day Turkey, and it's from the map. If the maps are correct, it's on the farthest eastern part of the Roman Empire. So these Christians have fled. They're trying to get away from him, uh, getting as I, I would to get as far away as they could. Uh, but a lot of them, uh, a lot of them were Jews that converted to Christianity. So outside of the the uh, Jewish realm, their region, the Holy Land that they had. Outside of that, Jews were hated. So if you were a Jew that converted to Christianity, not only did the Jews not like you, but everybody else in the world doesn't either, especially Nero. So that kind of kind of backing up a little bit and giving you an idea of why Peter's writing this letter. He's, he's writing these letters so far that we've seen in verses uh, 1 through 12 in the first book, uh, chapter 1, that for them to keep the faith, for them to not to not waver on what they believe, and it would have been a very strong, uh, hard thing to do, especially in the region that they're in, and known for idol worshiping and and a lot of different other religions that they follow. So, uh, one through twelve, teaching it, uh, re reminding them about Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that was made for their sins, and for them to keep the faith. We're going to begin. In First uh, Peter chapter one, there in verse thirteen, we're going to finish up with uh, chapter one this evening. It says, "Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ." We gird up the loins of your mind. Uh, not something that we say every day, but. Uh, to guard your minds. Be self-disciplined. Not let the things of this world creep in. Uh, we need to keep a close watch on these things and so the, the temptations that, that we face and keep our minds set on heaven. Said to be sober. Uh, to be sober, to be so, have, a clear, have a clear mind to be watchful whenever... Whenever I looked up this in the, this word in the Greek, when it said watchful, I uh, it, it reminded me of doing a lot of push-ups. I, I did a whole lot of push-ups whenever I was in the military for not being watchful. Uh, we practice on urban warfare. That's that's all we practiced on. That's all we did. But uh, the other battalions that were in the Second Airborne, they would play the enemy. And so you would go into the shoot house or you go into this alley full of 
full of buildings and everything, and they put holes and windows in every possible imaginable place, and you had to be watchful. If not, they'd shoot you with a little laser thing, and you'd have to lay there, and then the medics or somebody else would have to carry you off the field, and nobody wanted to carry somebody that weighed 210 pounds with body armor on and about 50 pounds of equipment. So I did a lot of push-ups for getting shot for not being watchful. Uh, and that's what I think of. When we go out into this world, I mean, we have, uh, you're going to hop in your vehicle, you're going to have the radio on, it's going to be saying something, the music that you listen to. You go, you go home, everybody here has at least one TV, maybe two. You know, what's on the television? What are those things that you're seeing in a day, on a daily basis? I, I used to listen to talk radio. That was one thing that I've had to quit doing because it, I, I didn't agree with what they were saying, and so it made me mad, and one of my downfalls is anger. So I was, I was feeding that thing that, that I was struggling with. And so in the mindset of being watchful, we can't give sin a place in our heart or let this stuff give sin a place in our heart. Uh, to be sober-minded, to be watchful. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Like I said before, this, this isn't something that we can do every once in a while. This is a daily task. Uh, I... Whenever uh, I heard a lesson over fasting one time, and it's over self-discipline, you know, and that's one thing that we have to do with our mind. We have to discipline ourselves to not let these things sink in and uh, be a stumbling block to us. Mark seven twenty one verse twenty through twenty three says, "From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts." covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. A good, uh, a good verse in Proverbs that I like, uh, 23 and 7, is for, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As Christians, we need to be holy, and that's the next point that Peter makes to, to his readers. Verse 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. This word conversation, there at the end of verse 15, the word means behavior. You know, as, uh, as Christians... As the word means, we need to conduct ourselves as Christ would. Uh, Peter is quoting this verse from Leviticus 11.44. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. I was reading the, when going through this, I was reading the Barnes commentary, and um, he put it very, uh, very well. He says, it is a great truth that people everywhere will Im imitate the God whom they worship. How many people do you know worship George Washington? That almighty dollar. There's a lot of people in this world that chase after money. And they chase it hard enough, you'll see that those people become very greedy. 
because that's the God that they're serving. They are serving money. We as Christians serve God. And then we need to conduct our life in a way that that is befitting a Christian. I mean, we are the bride of Christ, and we should conduct ourselves as His bride. Going on to verse 17 of Peter 1, it says, And if ye call on the Father who without respect to persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Uh, scripture time and time again talks about the judgment that we'll have to face. No one else's actions are going to get you into heaven. You know, it does not matter if your dad is, is an elder or deacon in the church or if he rod in prison his whole life. It does not matter. You are going to be judged by your actions. Hebrews 9 verse 27 And that is it appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I don't know anybody that has escaped death. Uh, there might be one or two in the, in the Bible that God just took. He didn't actually die, but they are no longer here on this earth. Verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Again, Peter reminds the readers of the cost of the remission of sins. The price that was paid so we could be redeemed. The perfect sacrifice, the blood of Christ. Now this isn't a sacrifice that we have to make once a year. It's not something that we do for certain sins and we have to do something for something else for other sins. This is a perfect sacrifice. He lived a perfect life here on this earth and he sacrificed his blood because we have sin in ours. who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Now this wasn't a, this wasn't a contingency plan. There's a lot of different people that think, well, you know, they couldn't keep the old law, so, they, so God had to come up with something else. He didn't. This was the plan for the beginning. The cross would go to the cross and he would die for our sins. It says, They raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. You know, that, that sacrifice, it's to you as a Christian. It doesn't cover the whole world. It doesn't cover a, a, a group of people. It covers the Christians. Those that believe in the gospel and obey the gospel plan of salvation. That's where that hope lies and that faith in Him. If you have a Bible, would you like, like for you to turn to Romans chapter 6 with me? Romans chapter 6, there beginning in verse number 1. 
We're going to read through verse number 5. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. The gospel plan of salvation. God has given us hope that in our faith in him that we don't have to pay the price that we deserve. We die, we'll be judged for our actions. I ask you this evening, is the blood of Christ covering your sins? Because if it's not, you will be punished. And the scripture plainly plainly speaks of that. It's, it's, it's a hard truth for, for some of us who have loved ones that, that haven't obeyed the gospel, but it's a fact. There's no way that, uh, I had no way around it. There's only one way into heaven. That's have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and be buried with Him in baptism. Verse number 22 of 1 Peter says, Seeing ye have purified your souls, souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfringed love of the brethren, See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Peter goes on to tell the, tell the Christians to love one another. Now that's something that, uh, that Christ uh, commanded us. John 13, 34 through 35, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another goes on in uh, chapter 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, Christ, He's commanded us to love one another. And by loving one another, we obey His commandments. And He concludes this chapter. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You know, a very, a very beautiful thing. The grass and the flowers... You know, it's a make for a really good poem. Peter's quoting Isaiah 40 and verses 6 through 8. It says, The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is the flower of the field. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of the God shall stand forever. 
He's reminding his readers that, that your time of suffering, your time of affliction and pain here on this earth, it'll fade away. But you have a promise of an eternal life with your Heavenly Father. You know, His Word will go on. And I can't... Uh, I looked up how many times or how many different people have tried to do away with Bibles. And there was quite a few more than what I thought. Over centuries of, of Christians being persecuted, over centuries of world leaders burning Bibles, getting away from the changing philosophers of philosophies that they, that they try to change from the Word, uh, it has stood. It has stood the test of time. And it will continue to stand long after you and I are gone. And that is a, a hope and something that I pray that uh, my children never have to see is that word, leave this country. I, I've, whenever I've thought of this verse, I, you can't help but think of where our country is said that we live in. You know, our currency has on it, in God we trust. And you look around and you see all the ungodly things that people vote for, that people go out and do, and uh, you know, it, it'll all fade away, just as the grass and the flower of the field. But His Word will not. It stands forever.